case of journos, yet another instance of journos holiday-themed content from Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Hello. Hello, Steve. Hello, hello. Hi. How are you? Oh, living the dream. Uh, enjoying this rainy Los Angeles day. It's my favorite time of the year. Stephen, you <laughs> love the holidays and let no one say otherwise. It's it's just it's such a special time of year. Yeah. You know what time of year it is, Stephen? Cucumber time. It is cucumber time, and that means that it is day three of the 12 days of Journo, Stephen. Are you ready? I, I'm buckling up. Great. Yeah, we're going to go on a bus ride because you and me and somebody else found out that our boyfriend cheated on us. And so the only sane response was to get together and invest in an old school bus, fix it up, and drive cross country. Doesn't that sound marketable? Sounds, uh, it sounds marketable. Let's hit the open road. Let's uh, leave those cares behind. Put them in the rear view. Yeah, this was a story that came out in July. Uh, I noticed it when it came out in part because it seemed really wholesome. And it kept showing up, the same story, over and over again. And the story was there were three young women. They were all dating the same guy. First one found out that there was another gal, and then that gal found out there was another one, and it turned out there were a bunch of women dating this guy. So they confront him, and then, so the story goes, they decide, why don't we get together and go on a road trip? So they buy an old, beat-up green school bus, and they fix it up, and they go across country, seeing all the beautiful sights of nature, jumping into all the water holes, and chronicling the whole thing as a, as a sort of reminder that there are things beyond you know, crappy failed relationships. Seize your destiny, you know? Do you remember this story? Yeah, no, I do remember it. And it sounds like the type of story where, you know, you learn a lot, uh, you see some stuff, you make some friends along the way. Like, you, it, it feels like a very uh, quaintly transformative story. Yeah, I would say that's exactly right. Yeah, extremely wholesome. I think something that it felt like the media, and again, this was the cucumber time of the summer, felt like the media mm -hmm. really was, excited to latch on to. And consequently, national media like Washington Post and CNN covered it, but then also local media would pick it up when these women would ride through their town, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, a Pied Piper with tales of heartbreak and feminine success. But what it seemed like to me at the time and what it kind of continues to feel like is, and this is just my cynicism talking, but what it really seemed like was IP. You know what I mean? It seemed like yeah. intellectual property yeah that was being developed for a future TV series or a movie. It was just too perfect. It, it does read like one of those journey adventure type flicks, like almost to a T. Yeah. I mean, you know, very eat, pray, love style, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I had to push back against the cynicism because it wasn't fabricated, right? It, it wasn't like, oh, they're all just making this up. I don't think there's a conspiracy underlying this. So there was a flurry of stories and then it kind of faded away in part because as these women were driving cross country, they were also firing up their own mini media empire on Instagram, YouTube channel, you know, with funding from Venmo and other places. So, you know, they were... They were leveraging this exciting story with these beautiful imagery of, you know, the exotic outdoors and the wildernesses of this great nation and their bonding. And they, you know, and it, and it became a source of, uh, of content. But you can't shake the idea anymore that where there's a good story, there is a possible monetization engine behind it. You know what I mean? Hashtag van life. 
the, you know, the idea of escaping the world and, and, you know, get starting to live in your van, but like also keeping like a flexible tech job and the whole idea of, of the alternative way of living. It's technically another iteration of like a, maybe a bohemian lifestyle, but like so many things today, it's just sort of the slightly lamer version of it. I don't want to be too cynical here either because I don't know these people personally. And, you know, again, it's like it's easy to hear a story like that and just say, oh, wow, that kind of sounds like a strange walking cliche or it kind of sounds like it's it's being funded by some corporate en- entity to, like, you know, sell vans. I think. George. George. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I just realized something. You say, okay, it feels like there was, there's no conspiracy beneath it, right? That's true. I don't, I don't, or at least I believe that to be true too. However, they weren't being funded at the beginning of the journey. But then once the journey started becoming something that could be profited upon, they did become funded by Venmo, right? And these other entities. So therefore, the journey does become this commercial enterprise, even if it didn't start out that way. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very weird way of thinking about bootstrapping a business where, you're going on an odyssey ostensibly to make friends and see the world and, and live out a dream. But in the process of it, it becomes converted into a business about that same thing. And, you know, this is all a way of dancing around the bigger subject of the creator economy, right? The millions and millions of people who are out there on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, all over the place, creating videos, creating music, creating art creating podcasts, maybe, creating newsletters, yeah, creating newsletters, all of which are part of this multi-billion dollar economy that's supposed to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $15 billion by 2022, with something like 2 million creators who are making six figures or more on these various platforms. And you end up having this whole subculture of of producers, right? It's a whole other job that now exists. There was a survey that became kind of famous or infamous, depending on how you think about it, in which kids were questioned about what do you want to be when you grow up? And something like 30% of them said, I want to be a content creator. And some much smaller number, by comparison, wanted to be an astronaut. (laughs) To go back to that stat, you said 2 million people are making six figures or more? Yeah, according to a story in Forbes. 2 million creators you know, on Instagram, Twitch, YouTube. Etc. And then there's you know, sponsored influencers who are making like eight billion dollars total. So it's a huge, crazy. huge economy of people who are taking their life experiences and spinning them out into you know videos, music, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then there's a further iteration of that which has just started, which is NFTs, right? Non fungible tokens, where people are not only yeah. taking those videos and putting them out there and charging for that, but then they're also dicing that up even more so that there's clips of those videos, short little gifs that they then sell. And so people will invest and be, quote, you know, co-investors in a single video. And in that way, a person's life becomes parceled out in this smaller and smaller way. And all of that, in theory, sold off so that a single person's life can be owned by hundreds or thousands of people. And then there's another version of that where the content creator will ask their followers to vote on the kind of stuff that these creators should do. So their lives even kind of get choose your own adventured in a really weird way. So, you know, this this weird relationship that we have between, you know, living our lives, 
creating stories and then being part of the story and then being sort of owned by the story, all of that gets really weird and tangled up and messy, but in kind of a fascinating way. Totally. And it almost makes me rethink my initial judgment of the people in the van, right? This is a serious question. What if you're doing something and you're genuinely doing what you want to do, and then you get paid for literally doing specifically that? What is it about it that makes us sort of cringe at that? I think it's a great question. I mean, I think it's a more advanced and certainly more abundant version of the, you know, you're a 13-year-old teenager you're like, I want to be a musician when I grow up. And your parents go, oh, my God, you can't do that. Or I want to be a writer or whatever it is. You know, I mean, the idea yeah. of the idea of building your life out of being some kind of creator is not in and of itself new. But now it's just that there's this massive economy that's built around people doing everyday stuff or filling a need for a whole different media environment, yeah. right? Where younger viewers are, are watching creators for these little short videos and they're maybe following dozens or hundreds of creators as opposed to like, I want to turn on ABC. That's the content producer for me. Oh, certainly. I mean, everything is becoming, it, it is disintegrating and like reforming in these like really weird ways. After everything you've just said, I keep thinking back on of when we first started talking just now. Like again, I cringed at the girls in the van. But if, if we're going to cast aspersion toward them, that kind of also means that you have to throw out the whole idea of travel writing at all, right? Because that that's also just monetizing, you know, going on an adventure. How cool it would would it be if that's what you got paid to do? Yeah, I agree. There is something about it. Again, you see the comments of people who follow them and they really get excited and they try and guess where these women are in the world. And, you know, there's there's a lot of interaction with the followers that is definitely more of an interchange and more of a relationship than, you know, the average writer who goes to Morocco and writes about the cuisine and the architecture, and then it gets published in a magazine or a book or whatever. And that's sort of that one way thing. And this is, it's not fundamentally different from that wherever that cynicism comes from, is the idea that there are these forces that are monetizing this in this very profound yeah. way and that they yeah. may be forcing us to choose content creation as a career because there's so many former career options that are drying up, you know? And so this becomes like this really Americanized dream of like, everybody is the star of their movie and you can make yeah. money doing that. Even though the reality, of course, is like very, very few people do. And in fact, in the last year of the pandemic, engagement rates have gone down something like 10% and revenue has gone down like 33%. So, you know. It, well, is that maybe it's because it's just less exciting stuff to do? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I think everything has, <laughs> has kind of has kind of shuddered in, in that way. So you go back to like reading a book or watching whatever's on ABC. Who even knows? Who even knows anymore? What's ABC, man? That's a good question. And of course, who are we two journos, but a couple of guys creating content? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, I, we're, tra that's kind we're of trapped the in the net. Hey, we're not making any money. Look, I'll jump in some water holes. Let's go get a van, you and me. It'll be great. All right, enjoy your rainy day. Take good care of yourself. Make sure and film it. I want to see some NFTs of <laughs> rainy day Steven Jackson soon. Brandon, one last thing. Uh, if you liked what you heard here today, don't forget to hit that like button, smash that subscribe, uh, new content every Tuesday. Love you, fam. This is out here for hashtag Journos Gang. All right. Okay. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Steven. <laughs>